Well, welcome to the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. It is 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Southern Ontario, Canada. Today, we'll be talking about the housing crisis. Thank you for joining me. morning. Thank you for joining me this fine Sunday morning here at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Ontario, Canada. I'm your host, Doug. Ah, yeah, boy, I'm telling you, boy, it's a, it is a much better day out there than we, than what we had experienced uh, this past week in uh, temperatures um well in in the minus in, in the minus 20s you know here in ontario and of course other other areas in the eastern provinces uh experiencing you know 30 below temperatures in, in the western provinces you know same thing um the weeks ahead look pretty good uh going in the right direction uh, temperatures uh, getting up above zero, um, which is which is really good. So um, yeah, so now um, I wanted to uh, just touch base back on uh, well, I guess a few shows that I did on um, the housing crisis. Um, that uh, we are experiencing here in Canada, all across every single province and territory. Now, affordable, I mean, affordable housing. You know, um, in the city of London, Ontario, where I reside, uh, we had seen the highest increase um, just in in rental units, and, I, and it was it was something an increase of something uh, about thirty seven percent. Now, now, so what that means is that. Um, If we go back five years, you you could you could get you could get a a, a three bedroom townhouse for about a thousand dollars a month. That same three bedroom townhouse today is anywhere from eighteen hundred dollars a month to two thousand dollars a month. Affordable adequate housing is of course necessary for everybody now you know <clears throat> here ontario here here in ontario canada you know we're one of the wealthiest jurisdictions in the world and there are still many canadians who don't have access to adequate and affordable rental housing and there appears to be several reasons for this, obviously, including a shortage of the housing supply. And it's not just, um, you know, like like the townhouses, stuff like that. Um, it is um, housing for low income. Or social housing. We haven't, like even here in the city of London, we have not built 
any social housing since the 80s. The waiting list for social housing is anywhere from seven to eight years. Now, if people who need social housing and and they need uh, a unit for a disability, that's anywhere from 10 to 12 years waiting list. We haven't built really, you know, when it comes to, you know, for townhouses, you know, um, for um, market rent. Um, We really haven't, uh, you know, uh, built on that um, for, for some time. You know, and so, you know, with, with, when it comes to landlord and tenants and and tenants, it's, um, the difference, you know, the, the, the landlords, obviously they, they have, um, seems to have more rights than, 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 than the, the, uh, tenants do. Social housing, um, when properly funded and operated, you know, has been very effective way to, to meet the basic housing needs. However, issues with respect to social housing programs have resulted in the chronic housing shortage for low income individuals, like I said, and families. And that long waiting period, what I just mentioned to you, seven to eight years to get into social housing. And there's also the concerns with the uh, allocation of social housing. And here, you know, a couple of examples here. Um, Waiting lists um, may be divided based on whether a person is on social assistance or can afford the market rent. Uh, Waiting lists uh, have been, uh, has had a negative impact on those who may or, or, or the more urgent need for social housing and large families may have an even harder time since the larger units are even more difficult to obtain and or denying a revocal social or, or, or revoking social housing um, subsidies and the limited options to appeal also is a concern. Now, wages, of course, come into effect. <clears throat> People who are on uh, a disability, so a single person who's on a disability, uh, on a disability uh, it's roughly $850 a month. People who, a single person who is on social assistance is about $740 a month. Minimum wage here in Ontario, and that varies across every province and territory, minimum wage is $15.50 an hour. A lot of businesses pay more than that. That's just the set rate for, you know, stepping into a job. They don't, they don't, uh, you know, that's the minimum wage that you, you start at. People who, you know, um, work in the hospitality, um, people who work for, you know, small business, 
you know, generally are, are not going to make really any more than 17 to $18 an hour. With rents on the increase and shortage of housing, whether it's an apartment building, townhouse complex, today it's even harder for people to even buy a house. The average cost is about $650,000. An income to even, you know, that's base of what houses are going for in, in the city where I reside you would have to be making about 150000 a year. Five percent down on, on, on a house um, just doesn't cut it anymore. So you're going to have to be putting down 20%. And how are you going to, and how are you going to save for that on, you know, the way things are going right now, you know, on the increase of um, not just um, the cost of groceries. For a lot of people, You know, they're, you know, for how many people are struggling out there to pay their rent, to pay their bills, and put food on the table. You know, a lot of people are living, they're one paycheck away from becoming homeless. And that can start with an illness, loss of job, an accident could put you into a position where you become homeless. Now, co-op housing is another attractive source of affordable housing. And however, once again, there are long waiting lists for co-op housing and very few new co-op developments. And of course, all the barriers in establishing new affordable or supportive housing that would provide accommodations identifying by those with disabilities, low-income persons, newcomers to Canada, Aboriginal persons and youth. Zoning, zoning by, uh, bylaws that, that could restrict development based on people who, who live there. Now the uh, the Ontario the Ontario government uh, build more build more houses act decided one day that they want to use the protected green belt areas and the same Ontario government who made these areas to remain protected. Now they want to turn around 
and start developing on these protected lands. Cities and municipalities are arguing that, no, we have other lands that we can use. What is going to be affordable? We have areas in this city um, where they're building. We do have projects in place and in uh, projects that are going ahead. Um, you know, uh, for you know, six to seven story buildings um, that will be geared to income. When it comes to other uh, developers, you know, building their high rises um, in, in, in all around the city here, um, they're, they're more or less going to be condos. And our, our skyline in our downtown area, you know, the buildings are going up. And, you know, for to be condos, they're going to be rental units. And I mean, they're just going to be out of market rents that people are just not going to be able to afford. There's another area in the city here. Um, it's a large, large property. Um, it, it, it used to be uh, a, a hospital um, for people who uh, have, have um, serious and chronic mental illness. So that land is being used and it's going to have um, single family homes, townhomes, high rise buildings, and nothing mentioned about geared to income or affordability. For those people who otherwise can't afford market rent. There's another area in the city and only partial of this building remains standing and it's just nothing but an eyesore. There's another area of the city where they could build affordable housing units. And it's actually big enough they could put a couple couple small buildings on that property for affordable rent. Now what the government plans on doing Making housing more affordable. Now the government is talking about everyone should have a safe and affordable place to live. And this budget 2022 is taking the steps that'll build, that will build more homes and, and make housing more affordable across the entire country. Starting with putting Canada on the path to double our housing construction over the next decade, helping Canadians buy their first home, protecting, uh, protecting uh, buyers and renters. Curbing the unfair practice that drive up the housing, <clears throat> the housing prices. Now, what was happening there was so these new developments, um, townhouse condos, um, what was happening was um, you, you'd put your deposit down and 
then the builders will come back and say, no, we want more money. So you're so so for an example, you you, you know you, your your house was gonna cost you six hundred fifty thousand dollars. You put down your deposit. They're gonna build the house, and then they come back and say, "Oh, everything's gone up in price, lumber, all this stuff, stuff, stuff like that. We want another hundred thousand dollars." And this practice was going on for some time. Over asking. When it came to the house sales the last couple of years over asking, you know, if your house went on the market, you know, for $550,000, you know, people, you know, where people are getting as high as 150,000 over asking. And that put a lot of people out of the market, you know, because the bank is only going to lend you so much money. And it can't be more than 30% of your income. So that started this, this, um, this practice that drove up the, uh, the price of housing with the, with these builders. Continuing to fight homelessness and support housing affordability in particular for the most vulnerable and addressing the housing needs um, for the indigenous people. And they want to start with helping people with a tax-free first home savings account. And as the home prices climb, so does the cost of a down payment which represents a major barrier for, for many looking to own a home. So this tax-free home savings account would give prospective first-time buyers the ability to save up to $40,000. Well, you can have a pretty good income to, to even set money aside and save up to $40,000. They want to launch a new housing acceleration fund. Building more houses will require investments, but it'll also require changes to the system that are preventing more houses from being built. They'll have a target of creating 100,000 net new housing units over the five years to provide 4 billion over five years, starting in 2022, 2023, to launch a new housing acceleration fund. They also want to work on rapidly building new affordable housing to ensure that more affordable housing can be built quickly to provide 1.5 billion over two years, starting in 2022, 2023, to extend the rapid housing initiative. And that's to help to create at least 6,000 new affordable housing units with at least 25% of the funding going towards women-focused housing projects. There is a ban in effect right now on foreign investment in Canadian housing. So the foreign money has been coming into Canada to buy residential real estate, fueling the current uh, concerns about the impact on the cost in the cities like Vancouver and Toronto and worries about Canadians being priced out of the housing market in cities and towns across the country. And that goes without saying when, when, when I say that, you know, getting over asking, not just from in foreign investments, but, you know, even still here in the country. Supporting rent-to-own projects. So this, you know, rent-to-own arrangements can help, 
you know, alleviate the barriers um, posed by rising home prices by providing more time and support to renters on the path to, uh, to uh, home ownership and by allowing them to live and grow in their homes. So you'd be paying, you'd be paying your rent and that'll be going towards the down payment and you continue to pay it. And then when you get enough money together saved through the, through the uh, rent to own projects, then you can go to the bank and purchase that home. Now, of course, the cooperative housing development The co-op housing, like they say, is another, you know, good initiative for, for, for people to rent. And they want to um, have like 500 million of funding on a cash basis from the National Housing um, Co-Investment Fund to launch a new cooperative housing development program aimed at expanding co-op housing in Canada. And of course, investing in housing for the um, in, uh, indigenous communities. So they have access to safe and affordable housing is critical to improving the health and social outcomes and to ensuring a better future for these communities and the children on building more than uh, building on more than 2.7 billion to support housing in the indigenous communities. And this 2022 uh, uh, purpose is to provide 4.3 billion over seven years towards improving and expanding the indigenous housing in Canada. Like, I mean, they're spending a lot of money here. I'm like $2.4 billion over five years to support First Nations housing on, on reserves. $565 million over five years to support housing and self-governing and modern treaty holder First Nations communities. $845 million over seven years to support housing in the Inuit uh, communities. $190 million over seven years for housing in the Metis communities and 300 million over five years to uh, the uh, co-development and launch an urban, rural and Northern indigenous housing strategy. They're also talking about the direct support for housing and like for the support for those in housing need. And the, and the Canadian housing benefit um, with provinces and the territories of a joint funding of $4 billion over eight years to provide direct financial support to Canadians who are experiencing housing needs. And this other part here to further support the struggling with housing costs. This budget 2022 proposes to provide 475 million in 2022, 2023 to provide a one-time $500 payment to those facing housing affordability challenges with the details and delivery methods to be announced later. This has already come into effect and it's a one-time $500 payment. Uh, to help you pay your rent. <clears throat> you do whatever you want with that money. It's tax-free. You don't have to pay it back. Now, the other things that they're working on here is speeding up the housing construction and repairs for the vulnerable Canadians. That was that goes without saying. So fixing up the social housing, 
all the work that needs to be done to be done there as well. And there's a project uh, they're working on um, in the uh, southeast part of, part of the city in the, so, in the social housing. And part of them, they're, they're going to um, tear down and they're all, they're going to put up uh, a couple of um, housing apartments as well on that property, creating, you know, um, more housing in that perspective. Now it comes down to the long-term supports to end homelessness. So the, the Canada's homeless strategy, the federal government has committed more than $3 billion to address homelessness, including double the annual funding for four years in response to, the, to this issue. This proposal is to provide $562 million over two years, beginning in 2024-2025 and to continue to provide doubled annual funding um, for reaching home to provide longer term um, certainty for the organizations doing all this vital important work across the country to ensure that our communities have the supports they need to continue to prevent and address homelessness. Which by the way, is at a crisis, is in a crisis, is at a crisis level. Why do we wait for things to become a crisis? And then act. It's been a problem for decades. Yes, we have the homeless shelters. We have the other supports out there. You know, for the funding, you know, for the for for the shelters. You know, then the government came back and said, "Okay, well, you know, uh, they they talked about this uh, a year, maybe a year and a half ago." Started to limit how many beds can be in a shelter. And they limited it to 50 beds per shelter. I thought to myself, how's that, how is that going to help? With the price and inflation, you know, when it like, you know, our, our basic necessities, 20,000 Londoners can't afford food as the need reaches record territory. 20,000 Londoners are accessing the food banks. Twenty thousand Londoners can't afford food. A benchmark of need of the London Food Bank. And this is, you know, to more than you know, people and families, you know, this London area food bank has been going on for 36 years. 
it started, it, you know, so it, it started back that it was to be a temporary solution. And here we are 36 years later. And we have 20,000 people here in the city of London who are accessing the London Area Food Bank. Now, imagine that, you know, servicing 20,000 people to help every single month. And the generosity of, of Londoners, you know, supporting it. You know, thanks to, to everyone who, who is doing that. We shouldn't have to go to a food bank. Nobody should have to do that. Unfortunately, It's happening. Now, affordability is out of the question. Now, on an annual basis here in the city of London alone, there are 2,600 people searching for emergency uh, emergency shelters. Nationally, there, there is about 35,000 Canadians living on the streets every single night. 35,000 Canadians living on the streets every single night. That is just staggering. I mean, you look around. I mean, I go around the city. You know, it, it's not like, you know, the, the homeless population. It, it's not like they're, they're, they're just designated into one area of the city. If you walk out of the downtown core, and you go along the uh, go along the river, <clears throat> and even uh, some smaller parks where people have set up tents, and along the riverbanks, these encampments that are popping up everywhere, all over the city. All the, all the, uh, all the uh, supports are in the downtown core, with the homeless shelters, um, the, medical, the medical centers, the food kitchens. And, and for some, you know, it has to do with addiction. 
others find themselves in this situation. Because a loss of job. Could be domestic. Now, I think it's this one here I was looking at here. Okay, so. Um, I think this is the one I was looking at earlier before I came on here. Yeah, it was. Okay, so. People, you know, staying in the city's homeless shelter stay for longer than they did five years ago. And this number of people um, who are chronically homeless without a steady place to stay for more than six months. Among the findings in the last Five years, 10,782 people have stayed in the city's homeless shelters. 13% of those who stayed in shelters were 17 years old or younger. Fewer people used the city's shelters in 2016 to 2011, but those who did stay uh, for an average of 41 nights has increased to 21%. The youngest people using homeless shelters are now 16, down from 18 years old. An average men, on average, men stayed in shelters for twice as long as women. 66% were males, 21% are females, 11% were, were dependent children and youth, 2% did not report their gender. You know, and, and you know, I, I sit back some days and, and, and I wonder, and I, and I think to myself, how did we even get here? How did we even allow it to become a crisis? Even what they, 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 they think that is a livable wage. A couple of years I talked about livable wage and, you know, so two years ago, you know, it went by, you know, um, cities across Canada, you know, from, you know, the three most expensive cities to live in, you know, Vancouver, um, Toronto and Montreal. So that, you know, it varied uh, across the country. What's a livable wage? On average, you know, go back a couple of years ago, they, they, they think that, you know, even for the for the city of Toronto, that, that $20 an hour is a livable wage. Here in the city of London, where I reside, I think they said it was around $18 an hour. I mean, that's not, that's, that's not feasible. You know, after tax, you know, you know, $18 an hour.
is $144 a day times five days, 720 a week times four weeks is 20, 20, 2,880. And then you're going to take the tax off. It's about 20, it's around maybe 25%. So that leaves you $2,160. Rent, I'll just say on average $1,500. That leaves you $660. Dollars. Not going to live on eighteen dollars an hour. With the price of groceries right now, one week. You know, family of four, it's about $300. a week at least. You know, the, the, um, the theft in, in grocery stores are on a rise. You know, why, why should, why should milk cost you over $5? Why should a, a loaf of bread cost $4? Box of cereal, you know, ne nearing $10 a box for, for a box of cereal. Even eggs are over $3 for a dozen of eggs. Never mind the protein that you need. Never mind the cost of the meat. Just to buy chicken and, and pork chops. You'd have to be making over $25 an hour. I just base that on $1,500 a month in rent. I mean, we're not living on our gross income. We live on our net income after tax. $18 an hour after tax, you pay your rent, leaves you $660. Maybe we went back 20 years ago, 25 years ago, $18 an hour. That yeah, was doable. You know, for a three-bedroom townhouse, you know, it was something. It was it was something around the line of about seven. It went from anywhere from from seven to to maybe eight hundred dollars a month. And you know, even 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 uh, before I bought, you know, I'll go back twenty-five years ago, I think you know, rented a three-bedroom townhouse. It was it was actually seven hundred seven hundred twenty-five dollars a month. It was cheaper. It was cheaper to buy a home. You get a mortgage. You know, houses. You know, buy a you know buy a house for you know ninety thousand dollars. You know, your mortgage was was under seven hundred dollars. 
Now your mortgage is $2,500 a month, $3,000 a month. For those who can afford that, that's, you know, whatever. Cost for renting units now, like I said, I mean, you know, for a three bedroom townhouse now on average, it, it's, it's, it's around $1,800 a month. Bank of Canada, you know, raised the interest rate, uh, interest rates. Now I think it's sitting at 4.5%. Never seen anything like that in 40 years. Now, all those things that I talked about what the government's doing, I, you know, I, I you know, I hope they're going to do it. And they're spending a lot of money here. You know, like I said, you know, 60% of London's homeless are chronicle, are chronically homeless. 60%. That 60% stays homeless. And never mind the hidden homeless. Can't count that because they're hidden. Staying with family, friends, couch surfing, living in their cars. They have jobs, can't afford the rent. You know, if, if someone here, here, you know, here's an example when it comes to landlords and, and, and things like that. So they're renting a unit just for an example, you know, say it was thousand dollars a month people living in that unit got enough money to together for a down payment on a home they buy a home they move out that landlord now can charge whatever they want They don't have to go to the landlord's tenants board to get an increase when someone moves out of the unit. If they want to get an increase because they did renovations, they can go and apply to the landlord's tenants board to go beyond the, I think it's right now sitting, you know, for, for rent increases every year, I think it's like 1.2% if the tenant remains to stay in there. But if those renovations, you know, cost, cost the landlord money, then, you know, he or she can go to apply to the landlord's tenants board and say, you know, I like to raise the rent, you know, of, above the, 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 uh, the percentage to say, I want, I need to raise it 3%. They have to apply for that. They just can't do it. But if the tenants move out because they bought a house, then the landlord, that $1,000 a month rent, now that landlord doesn't need to go and apply to have it increased. He can take that and he can increase it another $500, $600, The other problems that, that tenants are, are, are facing, you know, is... Uh, the rental eviction or family members going to move into that unit. Now, when it comes to rental evictions, you know, that tenant that is there, they get, 
that first choice of staying. But then how much is that rent going to go up? Well, like I said, he's got to apply to have that whatever to go up over that, that set rate. And if he gets it, can you afford it? And then they want to rent to a relative, like a son or a daughter. They can evict, they can evict you. Now, whether they actually are saying that's what it's for, that's another thing. They could be saying they're going to rent it to a son or a daughter or stuff like that just to get you out of there so they can increase the rent. Get more money. And still many people are behind. You know, so many people are still waiting to go to the rental tribunal. And the wait list, like I was saying, for social housing, seven to eight years. And, and even longer if the, if the, if the individual family needs, you know, um, a disability unit. And that goes anywhere from 10 to 12 years. Wages. Are still too low. How long is this going to go on for? With inflation. When is it going to even off? When is it going to drop again? I don't think anybody knows that answer. What's driving it? Who's behind the wheel of that? And who's been at the sleep of the wheel for so many years when it comes to even social housing? Thirty-five thousand Canadians across the country are homeless. And now they're doing something about it. Well, that's good. But in the meantime, people can't afford where they're living and living on the streets. 20,000 families are using the, are using the food banks. Unprecedented number. We've never seen this. These are serious, serious issues.
Now then, I guess I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, it's... It's a wait and see. There is hope. But a lot more work needs to be done. So I want to thank you for taking your time out this morning to come here on the Truckers Podcast. I appreciate that. And I will be back out um, this evening. Like I, t- like I talked uh, uh, yesterday, you know, about getting more shows out there and um, ways of going about it. You know, a um, couple weeks back, you know, I, I started, uh, thought, okay, I'm going to do a show every evening. And that was um, through Tuesday to Friday. So two weeks, of, two weeks ago, that worked out well. Last week, this past week, not so well. So it was almost like a hit and miss. So for me, you know, you know, you know, because the type of occupation that I do, driving transport, is better for me and my listeners, you. Like I do Saturday morning shows, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and that gets four shows in for the week. You know, I, I would hate to put a show up during during a weeknight and then not be able to commit to it. And you, the listeners, you're following me and, and you know, you get, oh, Trucker's Podcast or you're just looking, oh, when is he going to be back on again? Oh, he's going to be back on Monday night or Tuesday night. And then the show doesn't happen. It's out of my control. I don't want that. I don't want that to happen. So the weekends are at this point in time are best for me. And hopefully they're the best for you, you know, in the mornings and in the evenings. So I will be back out here. At 8 p.m to do another show. I hope you can join me for that. And if you can't, I understand. And we'll just take it from here, you know, and, and besides it gives, you know, and when I do get home from work during the weekdays, it, it gives me other things to, to work on for shows and stuff like that. And then I'm going to be getting emails out, out to, uh, out to people, um, to come on as uh, guests and, and talk about the important issues that, that are going on and stuff like that. Even yourself as listeners, you know, I mean, um, you can even uh, come on a, a, as a guest and, and talk about a certain topic that, that you would like to discuss. I mean, that's fine. I'm, I'm absolutely okay with that, you know? So, um, yeah, I just wanted to just start, you know, building the show. I think this to I think right now, I think it's, um, 400 and 408 shows I have done. Um, it must be roughly around 420 hours, something like that, you know, so keep increasing that and keep it going, you know. So join me tonight at 8 p.m. if you can. And thank you for coming out this morning. Enjoy, well, what's left of your weekend. And uh, enjoy the upcoming week and have a safe week. And thank you for joining me. This is the Trucker Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Dr. Ontario, Canada. Thank you, ladies.